the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Birth of Jesus Christ proves that God is with us. That means a whole bunch of wonderful things. I'd like to explore right here at the get-go just four possible ways. And I think probably each one of us needs to hear this statement from God in a specific one of these ways this morning. Imagine that God is saying this to you this morning. I am with you. The first way, it's just simply emphasize the first word. I am with you. Who's with you? God, the creator, the absolute biggest and most powerful force in the universe. God, the God who knows best about everything. God who loves you more than any person ever could. He is with you. I am with you. Maybe it doesn't feel like it right now. Maybe you have some doubts. Maybe you have some questions. But if you are seeking God at all, I promise you this morning that he is telling you, I am with you. I am with you. One of the really disturbing things that's all throughout the scriptures is you rarely see God just keeping a storm from happening. You see him calming storms only when people freak out and beg him to do so but he's with people all the time. He's right there in the boat. Are you with me? He's right there in the fire of the fiery furnace. He's right there, right next to the people and he carries them through. And I promise you this morning that God is with you no matter what you're going through. And who is God with? He's with you. Every single one of you. I don't know everybody's story this morning. I don't know where every single person is coming from or where you are right this minute, even if I know you well. Here's what I know. If you are approaching God at all, he is right here, right now, and ready for you to be with him. I am with you. And Christmas proves that. Because in Christmas time is when we celebrate that God physically, tangibly stepped into this world right into history, into a moment where it wasn't about faith and belief as much as it was fact for a few years. And it changed everything. I'd like you to say this statement out loud with me. Uh, God always teams up with people. Let's say that one more time like we know what it says. Here we go. God always teams up with people. And if you're a a person who likes to take notes, uh, that's the first one, that underlined one says, God. Second one's going to be loves. Here's why. God loves everybody. We all know this, right? God loves everybody, but he teams up with the people that love him back. He loves everybody. He invites everybody, but he teams up with the people who surrender it all to him. This is in, it's all throughout the scripture in John three sixteen and 17, possibly the most famous of all verses. It's right there. For God so loved the, the world, the whole world, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
And ever since the beginning, even before the fall, God was teaming up with people. That was part of his original plan. When we get to Abraham, he starts to clarify a little bit more. He tells us that God is going to send um, the Messiah through Abraham's family. He promises that he's going to bless the rest of the world through Abraham and his family. It makes a lot of promises and deals. But actually, some of the most common things that you see God saying, if you just wrote down every single thing you see God saying in the whole Bible, one, some things you'll see over and over are these. I will be with you. I am with you. And do not fear. Do not fear is every time an angel shows up for sure. But it's also a lot of times teamed up with God saying, I am with you or I will be with you. Usually, do not fear because I am with you. Do not fear because I will be with you. I don't know what you're afraid of this morning. You're not alone if you're afraid of something. It means you're a human being. But I just want to reassure you again that God is with you if you want to accept his presence, and his help in your life. Isaiah wrote this. It was on behalf of God. God was talking to his entire nation of Israel at this moment. And he said this in Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let me see all the left-handed people in the room. I just want you to know God loves you too. There's left-handed people in the Bible. Everybody loves the left. God loves them. We love you. Everything's great. My son Noah's left-handed. He's awesome. It's great. But symbolically throughout the Bible, your right hand is the hand you do the important stuff with. Your right hand is stronger. Your right hand is the, is the hand that does the stuff that matters. Guess what part of the body? I'm not even sure if God has a physical body. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But what he's telling us here is... I'm holding on to you. I am upholding you with my strong right hand. That's pretty powerful. You matter that much to him. Most of the book of Isaiah is a lot of messages from God. But there's also some cool stories in there. In Isaiah chapter 7, there's this story. And hold on, this does have to do with Christmas. But God sends him to a guy named Ahaz, who's a very evil king. And God's pretty sure that Ahaz is not going to believe what Isaiah has to say. So he tells him, test me in this. Test me in this. Now, real quick, let me just derail a little, um, something that confuses a lot of people. How many kids are in here this morning? Gosh, that's awesome. Teenagers, adults of all ages. It's great to have all of you. Whoever's joining us online, welcome. As always, we're thankful for you guys. But let me, let me just say, no matter where you are, how, how old you are, this is confusing to some people. Because sometimes God says in the Bible, do not test me. Jesus even quotes that um, when he talks to the devil in fighting him in the wilderness. He says, thou shalt not test the Lord your God. Ever heard that before? And then there's other places in the Bible where God says, test me in this, says the Lord. Like when he's telling us of tithe. That gets a little bit confusing. Well, it's pretty simple, really. Testing in the good way, it's two different kinds of testing. In the good way is this. How many like to play games? You're testing each other. That's a good way. How many like to wrestle? There you go. How many like to run races? 
How many like to show you other people something you did that was awesome? You fixed a car, you drew a picture, you built something. Yeah, that's testing. That's the good stuff. God loves that. God loves it when we say, hey, so you, you say you're with me? Let me see that. He loves that kind of stuff. He loves for us to test him with the hope that he's going to come through. He loves to show up. He loves to pull through. What he doesn't like is the other kind of testing. And here, I think everybody knows what I mean by this. It's pushing buttons. All you kids, I guarantee you, you know exactly what that means. Whether you've heard that phrase or not, you know exactly what's going to irritate your siblings the most, right? You just want to, you know exactly what's going to set your mom and dad off, right? And all you adults, I'm not picking on the kids. That's just true, but it's also true about us. We know the people we know the best. We know exactly how to punch those buttons. That's the testing, okay? Now, in this one, God is offering this guy Ahaz a chance to test him in the good way. He's like, hey, test me. I'll I'll, I'll give you a sign to ask me anything, and I'll make that happen. Then you'll know you can trust me. But instead, he punches God's buttons, and he tests him in the other way. He goes, I'm not going to ask for a test. So then God says something really weird. He goes, okay, I'm going to send judgment in a few years. Here's how you know it's going to happen. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, at that point, nobody could have ever imagined that the word virgin could have been taken literally. They all, that was also a word that was just commonly used for a young woman. Nobody could have ever imagined at that moment that someday that word Emmanuel could be taken literally because Emmanuel means God with us. But he tells Ahaz, here's the sign I'm going to give you. Here's what's going to happen. A young woman's going to have a kid. She's going to name him Emmanuel. And by the time he's big enough to eat big people food, I'm going to send judgment on Israel and you're going to know it was me. That's where that first came in the Bible. 42 generations went from Abraham all the way through David. I love how Matthew notices that Jesus' lineage comes all the way through Mary. So he's biologically the son of Abraham and David and kept those prophecies. Luke notices and traces Genesis' legacy legally through Joseph, who was basically his stepdad, but legally his dad. So no matter how anybody in Israel would have looked at it, Jesus was descended from those guys. I think it's pretty cool. God loves to have intricate plans like that. But you get these two amazing people, Mary and Joseph, and they both are teamed up together and teamed up with God to make the Messiah actually show up on this planet and get a chance to grow up and get a chance to live the life and teach the teachings and die the death and come back to life that we all love Jesus for. Here's how Matthew writes it down. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
Some of you guys have been marinating in the Bible long before I was even born or have known Jesus as long or longer than me. Some of you never heard this. I just want to make sure everybody in the room understands, whoever, wherever else you are. The word Emmanuel means God with us. The name we translate as Jesus is originally more like Yeshua, and it means God saves. Every name in the Bible, in one way or another, has some kind of deep meaning. They were literal names, but there's, other, there's all these other cool clues because God is just intricate like that. Here's what Matthew says. This just blows everybody's mind. At this point, it's blown our minds ever since. All this took place, he writes, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Can you imagine how much their minds were blown? They'd grown up hearing that story about Isaiah and the little kid named Emmanuel that grew up. By the time he could eat big people food, God sent judgment. And now they're going, hold on a second. A literal virgin? God is literally with us? Paul writes this in Galatians chapter four. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. See, this is the dream. This is what Jesus did. He came to be with us so that we could be with him. Emmanuel means God with us. Would you just say that out loud with me? Emmanuel means God with us. And there's another word to underline. The next two are uses and shares. Everyone who follows God becomes one big family that uses and shares all the gifts the Holy Spirit gives us. I'm not going to get you to raise hands, but I'm pretty sure everybody in the room has either traded some gifts last night or this morning, or you're going to get around to it later today or tomorrow or sometime soon. That's kind of a thing we do here in America to remember Jesus and all the goodness of all that. But imagine you get gifts and you just never use it, especially if it was a gift that has to be used. It's, a, it's, a, it's clothes and you never wear it. It's a game and you never play it. Maybe you guys have more money in your Christmas budget than I do. Maybe it's a car, but you never drive it. You follow me? You just never use it. Or, or it's something like a game where it's designed, you have to use it with other people, but you never share it. This is mine. It says two to five players, but I'm going to play it solitaire because it's mine. It's crazy. It's just not how it works. But God's Holy Spirit gives us gifts, and he designed all of them to work together. He designed all of them to make us more of a team, to function as one body, to actually get work done together, to get closer to each other, to get closer to God as we use them. Imagine just the food around Christmas. Uh, Anybody starting to get hungry yet? Don't worry, I won't keep you all day. I don't know. I see some visitors out there. I'm not one of those guys that goes all long. It it, it won't be too long today. But if you're getting hungry, you're probably going to get to eat. Imagine if you had all that awesome food and nobody ate. What a tragedy that would be. And God has gone to amazing lengths to make sure that he showed us he wants to be with us. Imagine if we don't take him up on the offer and choose to be with him. 
He's gone to great lengths to include us in his mission to reach everybody in the world. Imagine if we just don't use those other gifts he gave us. We don't join his team. We don't participate in that mission. What a tragedy that would be. Back to Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ in your Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Once again, he's tying us in with this whole big plan that God had all along. Back in the Psalms, it said this, surely the righteous will never be shaken. You know who the righteous are? They're the people who do the stuff God loves. Righteousness in the Bible is simply the stuff that God loves and the stuff God does. And so the righteous people are the people who love and do the same kind of things that God does. Righteousness is that stuff that gets done. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. Listen carefully because this is a deep truth that a lot of people miss. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Notice that it doesn't say they will never have bad news. Jesus straight up told us we would. He said they will have no fear of bad news. Why? Because God is with us. He's got a plan that's bigger than any of the stuff that we have questions about. He's got a plan that's bigger than the stuff that scares us. He's got a plan that's bigger than the stuff that confuses us or even makes us mad. The psalmist goes on. They have freely, these righteous people that don't need to fear bad news because they trust in God. They have freely, I'm sorry, freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. Hold on, that's weird. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. I want to make sure that makes sense here too. We've actually got some horns that can get blown. Everybody brace yourselves. It's going to be loud, not that loud. It's not meant to scare you. But at count of three, I'm going to ask them to blow these horns. Could you show them what it looks like? This is exactly the kind of horn that, that they would blow. Whenever there was a victory, they also used them in worship. But this is called a shofar. And, and when it says that the righteous are going to have their horn lifted up, what it means is they're joining the winning team. God's team is going to win. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even if we lose this battle and this battle and this battle, if you're on God's team, you're going to win. Let me hear that victory, victory horn. You ready? Go. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the truth. Even in the darkest moments, even in the parts where it's weird and it's crazy and it's scary, whether God's with us or not, sometimes it feels like he's not. Sometimes we have to accept honor. Even in those worst moments, here's the truth. Say this out loud with me. Jesus will always be with us. You can write that word down, us. You know who that means? Us. 
especially if you're actually a follower of Jesus. Because like we said before, the offer is to everybody. There's nobody that's excluded. God wants everybody to come to him, but you have to come to him. He comes to us. He wants you to be with him, but that's a choice he leaves up to each one of you. You get to choose whether you're going to be on his team or not. But if you do, Jesus becomes someone that's more, he's not just somebody you believe in, he's somebody you know, and somebody who promises to always be with us. If you're writing those words down, they were know and always. Let me say that one more time. I love this truth. Jesus is not just someone that we believe in, he is someone we can know, and he promises to always be with us. I love, again, how intricate all of God's plans are. You see shepherds showing up a lot. He loves to use symbols and ideas and he uses them literally, but they also mean stuff. Remember in the Old Testament, God is called the good shepherd. And Psalm 23 is all about how God is a good shepherd. How many, does that sound familiar to anybody? And then in the New Testament, Jesus calls himself a shepherd. Guess who the first people are that get to see Jesus when he's first born? I, I don't think you need to guess. I think you know. Who is it? shepherds. And that's always been cool to me because shepherds at the time, they were not really outcasts, but they weren't the people you invited to parties all the time. They kind of smelled bad because they lived with sheep all the time. You with me? They were always busy. They were always out there in the fields. They were kind of a different group of people. But just the last couple of years, and if you've heard me share in the last couple of years, you've heard this already because it blew my mind. I'd never known this before. But the shepherds of Bethlehem, their primary job was raising the lambs that would one day become the Passover lambs. And one of their biggest jobs was every single time a lamb was born, they had to go right then and inspect it to see if it was going to be one of those flawless lambs. So guess who God called to be the first people to inspect the lamb of God? The Passover lamb shepherds. Isn't that cool? I mean, there's just layers and layers to the stuff that God puts into his word. It just blows my mind every single time. But again, here's the good news that's for us. This is the good news that lasts not just at Christmas, but forever. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. And they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And this is where we're gonna wrap up today because this baby that came and all that beautiful story, all that intricate stuff that we've been exploring and celebrating last night and today, and I hope you continue to remember Jesus, not just the food and whatever else happens today. But he grew up and he lived a perfect life and he did all the other things and said all the things that make every life worth living today. And he died for us and he came back to life for us. And then as God always does, he invited us to team up with him. The last things Jesus said to his followers were this, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. 
And I will always be with you, even to the ends of the age. He will always be with you. He'll be everywhere in one sense, but he'll especially always be with you if you're on his team. Do you hear that? He's sending us out into the the world. And when we do those things, we go, we make disciples, we baptize, we teach people to obey. He's going to always be with us in a way where we experience. If you were keeping notes, the three big underlines, the ones that are all in bold, they spell out a sentence. See if anybody figured that one out. It says, not a sentence, just a phrase. It says, God with us. I hope that sticks with you, but here's what I really hope this morning. We're going to sing again, and we're going to invite you to make some sort of choice in the direction of Jesus. There's going to be somebody standing right there. If you want to make that public, you can make it right where you are. But I, I just want you to remember that God is with you today. Are you hearing me? He's with you, but if you want to be with him, that's a choice you have to make. And I don't know what that means to you today. That might be just like everything's so tight with you and Jesus right now. You're just, all you have to say while we sing is just thank you. Maybe you need to repent of something. Maybe you need to change something. Maybe you need to start something. Maybe you need to stop something. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus completely ever. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe, I don't know. But would you acknowledge that Jesus is here, right here today with us? And would you take a step in his direction as we stand and sing?